The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I want to welcome on a first-time guest, someone whose work I have greatly appreciated the last couple of years. In my opinion, he's doing the best draft work on YouTube right now. It's indispensable for me as someone who doesn't have time to watch beyond maybe the top eight or nine prospects uh, every year. Keandre Ashley, how are you doing, man? I'm doing really good. I appreciate you for having me on the show. Yeah, and obviously the place to find him is at Hoop Intellect. Uh, We'll have a link to that in the show notes uh, on YouTube. But I part of the reason that I was intrigued by your story is just it didn't seem like you took a traditional path really to learning uh, about the draft. And I was kind of the same way. Like when I introduced myself to people, I don't have like specific credentials other than just trying to do the best uh, work I can. How did you get into doing uh, these videos before we start talking about this draft? Yeah. So really just been a, a huge basketball fan my entire life. And that was just kind of something I really studied and followed both in like my game, um, kind of taking a different route, not actually playing in college um, and also just following it, knowing all the stats and all the making those all time rankings and all that kind of good stuff. So um, really, when I got to, to college at Oklahoma State, I just figured um, didn't really want to take the traditional media route and also um, wasn't playing, wasn't a you know student manager or anything like that. So I was just like um, trying to figure out how I could put out the best basketball content as as possible and um, wrote stuff on the draft beforehand and then figured out the best way to put that into video form. And those really took off. And after that, you know, just kind of trying to get as good as possible, know more people, um, talk to different people, things you like, you don't like, and add it into what I create. And that's really the the really short version of the story of creating the channel. You know, um, when I first started, I actually didn't even have a laptop. I was doing all of this off of the library computers um, until I actually got enough money to to actually get a laptop. And that's what I've been on since then. So, I mean, it's been a really cool journey and just being able to meet all these people, be on this podcast and everything. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So you and you know, obviously, as I watch your videos, you know a lot about skill development and uh, you know, just the, you've got a, a lot of interesting recommendations to these guys and like stuff that they could get better at. We get into some of that as we talk about this class. But where did you acquire that knowledge? Is that kind of just self-taught as well? Is there someone that was like a mentor where you kind of learned some of that player development stuff? 
I think it was just kind of a combination of things just from being a player and, you know, got different coaches and then also watching different stuff on YouTube and, um, you know, like the the better basketball stuff, just other stuff that we kind of implementing is in kind of the ethos of basketball, going to different camps and learning um, different things about mechanics and, you know, what you actually like, what is it, what's actually a shooting myth and everything in between. Those are just kind of some things that I picked up along the way um, and really implement into my videos. All right, well, let's get started here. Who is your number one player in the 2022 class? Yeah, so my number one player is actually Paulo Bancaro. And I, I feel like that's, you know, at least somewhat unpopular in terms of like the, the broad base of things. But I think you look at him, you know, the tremendous physical profile at 6'10", 6'11", 250 pounds, what he can do um, as a playmaker and his kind of versatility as a scorer, doing a little bit both inside and now having more of those traditional guard or wing skills as well. Um, but yeah, that would be my number one prospect for those reasons. So when just, what's your kind of your general philosophy when you put your board together? Are you like an upside guy? Are you, you know, like, what are you looking for? Like if you're at the top of the draft, what do you value? Like what characteristics do you value the most? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of a combination of things. I think the things I value the the absolute most are just kind of being able to make a play um, on both ends. So um, just for Paulo specifically, being that size and able to you know hit those pull up jumpers, be effective from the mid range, score inside and out, and and uh, make plays for others as well. Um, so those are kind of some of the things I look for. Now it changes from player to player. Other players have certain things that they do extremely well. Some things that they have to work on. Um, also, you have some that are certain liabilities in, in certain areas that might take you a different place, depending on the position. If they're a small guard, you might weigh things differently. If, if they're a, a big man who can't move at all, you might weigh some things differently as well. So, I mean, it's just kind of a combination of things, but being able to make plays on both ends um, is really the, the big the big picture. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I made sure not to watch any interview. I tried to not to read or watch anybody's content until I'm done with my review. And I actually have pile number one as well. And I mean, generally for me, I think the number one skill in the NBA is can you create for yourself and others? Like that's what the league runs around. And there's complementary skills to be sure. And maybe in certain drafts, there isn't that one guy. And so maybe you get, get someone who could fit in as more of a number two or a number three or a higher floor guy or something like that but to me Paolo just with his passing ability that was probably the number one thing that sold me on him actually is like you know averaging four assists a game the second half of the season and then also that handle at 610 250 which I mean I, I don't know about you can you think of many guys at that size with that kind of a handle historically I couldn't think of many yeah you there really aren't many I think the one that's like recent is like Ben Simmons but he doesn't really have the the half court kind of break you down type of stuff that Paulo no. has already shown but that's it's it's a really hard to go to final no i i i mean yeah i thought your comp too of kind of like a later career blake griffin was a really interesting because no one has like that explosiveness like yeah. the mozgov and the perkins type of bounce that blake did back in the day but to think of like the role that he played on like the 19 pistons you know kind of more at that level maybe not like the absolute most efficient as a scorer but still like good enough and big enough and like someone who could run pick and roll at 610 with a smaller player like that's kind of like the role that i envision for him potentially if it all works out yeah that's that's spot on i think you look at what pistons 
what Blake did on the Pistons that one year, making that, I think he was third team all NBA. Um, and just, he also kind of expanded his game a little bit more on the, onto the perimeter. Like earlier on, you know, there was a lot of side pick and roll stuff with the Clippers. He's trying to dunk on everybody, you know, setting a lot of screens and everything like that. But, um, just being able to kind of mix in a little bit of that, that perimeter stuff and, and self creation and, um, primarily being able to make plays for others. Blake was really great at that, yeah. that year. Um, and in a variety of different ways. So that's, that's, that's the main comparison for him. What's your feeling on Boncaro's scoring game? And like where he is right now, where he needs to get better and like how good of a score he can be when he's fully formed. Yeah. So I think that obviously what, however he comes along as a shooter will have a lot to do with that. I'm just being a little bit more consistent and and continuing to work there. Um, Just kind of primarily in the half court and also just tightening up the handle. Like when you're breaking him down, like he's, he's still pretty early on in that development, but there's a lot to like there. Um, I think that he can, he definitely, stand to continue improving finishing at the basket um I think he shot about 58% there and it's not that it was like necessarily an issue but there's certain moments where he would get into traffic and and kind of lose control a little bit I think there's yeah. some you know control control there to to work on and um but as a score I think it should it'll depend on like what position he is in the league and who's really guarding him what, to see what's where your he, feeling on that uh, what, what position he is I think that he's probably best fit as a four um so that kind of puts him in an interesting spot he, fours around the league do a lot of different things yeah um yeah. but as long as he's kind of not your defensive anchor or somebody that you're relying on in that aspect um then i think that he should be he'd be fine and then find his way offensively just in a number of different roles but scoring specifically i think both inside and out it's just going to be kind of a test period those first couple years to see where he's you know most effective and um yeah yeah uh, danny my partner he had the feeling that if you just froze the film at the moment Paul was about to take the shot you would be like oh this guy is just like the no-brainer number one pick like he's unbelievable at this size but yeah I mean that's my biggest concern for him at least on the offensive end is like the ball just didn't like quite go in enough for him at basically every level of the floor yeah I think there's a little bit of inconsistency there I thought he shot fairly well from the mid-range um I think he was, uh, I actually have the stat here somewhere, 42 for 96 on short and mid-range jumpers. So that's, you know, pretty solid. Um, But everywhere else, you know, three-point catch and shoot off the dribble. Um, There was like a little bit of energy transfer issues there. And then also kind of the stuff we mentioned um, closer into the rim and a little bit of the reliance on the spin move. I think people will will pick up on that a little, you know, somewhat. Uh, But there's a lot of tools there to like. And I think that he, you know, eventually figures it out in, in a big way. Yeah, Hughes, I know you focus a lot on shooting form. And like I noticed that a lot of his misses were just like really bad misses. like And not even ones where he was heavily contested, particularly from three. I, I agree with you. I thought his mid-range was better. When you say energy transfer issues, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so... I think it would be like best explained is just like a, a fluid motion. Yeah. So there are certain times at the peak of his jump where he didn't release it at the peak of his jump a little bit on the way down. Yeah. It's um, very, very Blake-like as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that can bring some inconsistencies there in your jump shot. So um, that is a potential thing that he can still work through. But um, yeah, that's that's really what I meant by that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see him being that, like, you know, 60% true shooting 
shooting guy in the league necessarily. Yeah. Like to me, I th- but what I do think he can do is do enough to draw two, right? And to unleash that playmaking, whether it's going after a smaller guy and pick and roll with the, that handle and then backing down or working that guy into the mid range, quick post stops, uh, um, you know, being able to grab and go, push the ball that way and, and draw the defense. So I, I think to me, it's just un- f- having enough offense to unlock his passing. And, you know, I think it's the handle is the key to all that because then you can get the mismatch by playing pick and roll, uh, moving without the ball, pushing in transition so that he can unlock it, his passing. And that's, that's why I had him number one too. I just, I didn't feel like there's anybody else in the class except for one guy who I, I want to get to that I felt like really could be like that primary initiator on the offensive end at, at a high level you know, or was likely to be. I think there's other guys who had that potential, but that was the guy that I really was just most enamored of as an offensive player. For sure, I agree. He's not he's not quite the the quickest or, you know, sort of that like Jason Tatum level guy in terms of like that wing creation and being yeah. able to to create shots like in that fashion, but like you said, just kind of the all-around ability and being able to put him in so many different spots and play him with other kinds of players at least on the offensive end um it is why he's my number one guy as well. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas 
I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us what was your evaluation of his defense yeah so i i honestly didn't think that his defense was as bad as it's kind of often advertised yeah you know there's a lot of bad moments in terms of effort like he just kind of blatantly doesn't play on the pick and roll just lets guys go past him um which is just clearly some effort or fatigue or or whatever you don't yeah i thought he needed to get in a little bit better shape like at the the north carolina game at home was one of the ones i watched i i thought that he really wore down by the end of that game just like wasn't able to run the floor there was the the cramping issue against Gonzaga, which isn't necessarily an indicator of not being in good shape because, you know, yeah. that happened to LeBron one time too. <laughs> He's in pretty good shape. But, you know, there were some indicators that like, you know, getting into like absolutely phenomenal shape could really help him. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, just kind of from an individual perspective and like being able to stick with guards or, you know, quicker, smaller players, he, I, he did a pretty good job when, you know, he kind of set his mind to it and really tried like those switches in that same game. There was like two different sides of it. So sometimes he would just not bring the effort. Other times um, against Caleb Love, RJ Davis, you know, he completely had them, you know, stayed in front of them and they had to yeah. pass the ball out or, you know, forced a late clock shot. So, um, and also against Miami, that was one of his better games on the perimeter, defending guys like Cam Augusti and Isaiah Wong, who are pretty good shot creators themselves. So um, I think it's better than advertised. Definitely has some work to do, just all around awareness and, you know, kind of bringing that consistent effort um, on that end of the floor. But uh, not the type of like liability that's kind of that he's kind of widely talked about at times. Yeah, I think there's a capability for him to get better. Like he's not going to be a shot blocker, I don't think. Like I'm, I don't think he yeah. could play like a traditional center role. Maybe if you want to go small and switch a little bit at the end of games, like it might work. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a nice situation. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you had like a bunch of other wings around him or something like that, then maybe it, it could work. But I just, I don't like, yeah, and his help instincts are not amazing. And, and if he's got the ball a lot, he's probably, he'll be focused on that early in his career. Like, I don't think he's going to be like good or anything, but if you can move your feet like that, like you should be able to be adequate in the right situation was my thought. Yeah. That's really what you're kind of asking for, for somebody who, you know, brings what he does to the table offensively. Just don't be somebody who's out there, you know, like Pat Bev said, as a cone and just getting <laughs> um, completely dismantled on that end. So, yeah, that's really just kind of being capable and, and being solid. All right, who's your number two? 
My number two is Chet Holmgren, Gonzaga, you know, big time shot blocker um, and rim protector, great field, able to cover ground in a lot of different ways, um, can play a little bit on the perimeter and do a lot of different things um, with the ball. You know, at that size, it's not a lot of guys who can as comfortably bring the ball up, um, you know, on grabbing goals and hit transition threes and scoring transition in the way that he did. And also you got to look at how he finished inside. Um, he was a really good big time finisher, both on lobs and, you know, just touch around the basket. I think you look at him just first and foremost with the defensive upside and what he does on that end. And then also there's just so much other stuff offensively that he has left to kind of untap and and then unravel in in his game. And I think that we see it come to fruition in a little bit of a different way in the kind of NBA system. I think there's some some playmaking stuff there that he can still um, tap into. We saw a little bit more of that, the FIBA um, U19 team the year prior with USA, um, because Drew Timmy did a lot of that against Zaga for them. And then obviously Andrew Nimhard has the ball most of the time. Um, but yeah, just kind of uh, all around game, first and foremost, defensively. And, and um, I just really like what he brings to the table. I think that he's a lot tougher and kind of makes up for that, you know, frailness of his frame that, you know, is often the most discussed about him. You know, just look at that game against Jalen Duran. It doesn't really get any more physically imposing than, yeah. than that at the college level. And he did a pretty good job despite, you know, getting into some foul trouble with some questionable calls. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that happened in a college basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah well so here are my two questions uh, first one is what do you foresee his offensive role being like, is he purely just going to be a complimentary guy or is he someone that you could actually run some stuff through i think that he's you know mostly a complimentary guy but um i think there's just there's just a little bit there that i think that is left to to unlock with him you'd look at more of what he did in in high school and um some of the stuff that he was doing off the dribble and a little bit of like he showed flashes of that dark fade on you know even guys like mark williams earlier on in the season um you know several other times throughout but he wasn't he didn't get a, a ton of those opportunities i think that he's you know at, at first he's somebody who can definitely run you know pick and pops and and do things like that his spot up threes and also you know set screens you know roll um play in the dunker and finish at a high level around the basket as well so there's a lot of different things that he can kind of complement in an offense and then as he you know continues to to grow and develop um just kind of experiment with some other stuff he's not the guy that I would necessarily say is like a natural hub or you know at, at the Apollo level in terms of like making plays for others yeah. but there's there's a there's a little bit more there a little bit above a guy like you know Jabari Smith yeah to me I there are I'm not sure about any of the aspects of his offense being right. amazing, but I do feel like there are ways in which it could, he could be a solidly above average offensive player. Like, you know, maybe the shooting just ends up being that good, right? I mean, maybe he is just this pick and pop monster. Now, he also will have to be able to like beat at least smaller players in the post because yeah. otherwise you just switch that pick and pop and then you're fine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that would be something but he has like the ball handling ability as well to maybe like get be a little bit more versatile getting into attacking smaller players as opposed to just like all right i gotta post up they're fronting the post like he's getting pushed off his spot there's help on the weak side you just wasted 10 seconds on the shot clock like that kind of thing um you know i think as a short roll guy i think he's gonna be really good and you know maybe he can he can even like shoot on the move a little bit as well as time goes on he gotta speed up his release a little bit uh 
to that standpoint yeah. but yeah and like his finishing is good offensive rebounding so i mean like i could see him maybe averaging 20 like i think that's like a possibility not necessarily like and doing it on like really efficient play you know it's not i don't think he's going to get the usage above maybe like 23 24 but you know like if someone like jaron jackson could be like a 25 26 usage guy like maybe he's not the same type of body but maybe he could work in the same type of way yeah i agree i think you know, just kind of being that complimentary guy. And I, I think he he averaged uh, about 14 or around there this year. Yeah, um, yeah. usage just kind of bumping was like up. 22, I think. I'll yeah. My head. So just kind of bumping up those those numbers just slightly. And um, hopefully the shooting is, is a big thing for him. If, if Yeah. Yeah. Because that, like, that's like the sine qua non, right? Like that's the thing where you're just like, if he's got to be a good shooter, at least. Like if he's just going to be 34%, if he's going to be like Miles Turner shooter, like I need more than like that to really feel great about it. And I, but I think he can get there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um. But obviously, he's so thin, right? I mean, how much of a concern is that for you? Because we really, I mean, who, who are the comps for guys who are that thin? There, there really aren't. There yeah. really aren't too many. Um, because he's significantly, you know, thinner than even Evan Mobley last year, and that was, you know, at least yeah. some concern. Um, coming into the league. Um, but there, there's, there's not a ton. I think, you know, just given his toughness and the way that he's able to leverage his body in certain situations, and the way that we've seen him across levels on, you know, the the highest version of each level be able to sustain and, and go up against some of these bigger guys and, and figure it out. It's not as much of a, um, you know, serious issue to me, at least long term. I think that he'll eventually bulk up somewhat. But in terms of like putting him down there as like a full time five and asking him to box, you know, first and foremost, like box out Jonas Valanciunas um, inside, not even the Jokic's and MBs, because I think that's not something that he should be, you know, asked to do, and he's not yeah. going to match up with them every night. Those are, nobody can guard them in the first place. They average thirty. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of being able to leverage certain things. But he might earlier on have to be, you know, paired with uh, another big man to to kind of, you know, bring out some of those other things um yeah and shore up some of those other things but um it's not a huge concern for me i think that he affects the game in too many other different ways um and in the way that he's you know just able to um figure out certain ways to still be effective in you know kind of run there was this one box out possession against memphis where he just completely ran into Jalen Duran um to you know seal the box off because he knows that he's he has to do that um so he just has those little tricks and he's tough so not as big of a concern as it looks like but um at least something that he'll have to address to like kind of unlock those those further and higher ceilings make the game easier yeah i mean the, the guys that i thought of were bull bull is one of them you know somewhat of a similar skill set obviously holmgren far more productive at every level you know much higher yeah. on character doesn't have the injury concerns and actually has like some level of toughness which you know bull didn't but so that's probably like the closest comp to me and you know bull just hasn't been able to play center at all but you know again holmgren is just a much tougher than that and you know you get to like a sean bradley type you know just, there are very few guys who are just so skinny and you just feel like all right he's really never going to get above maybe like 210 or something like yeah. that and maybe maybe he could get like you know strong core and like you know still be all right there but uh mobley is the other cop but mobley is like you know an order of magnitude i think even like stronger than him how do you feel about his mobility that's another question for me too i mean it feels like you're at least early on and i my feeling is probably most of the time he's probably gonna have to play the four so 
how well can he stay in front of guys? Like, can he switch it all? That's a, a big question. That's part of the modern skill set required at the four. Yeah, I think that, you know, he's not on that Mobley level. He's not Bam out of bio in terms of just being able to kind of do everything and, and every coverage and sticking in front of guards very easily. But I think he's in that, you know, tier below that where he's able to um, sort of leverage his length and, and ability and sort of quickness and foot speed to, um, you know, at least be solid. There was times where certain guards like Jalen Williams there's some bad clips out there him getting dropped and um you know just being a little bit behind there but I think that he's somebody who can at least in the four spot especially um you know hold his own against some of those guys in that position um out on the perimeter now you know switching on to Steph Curry is going to be a different task or you know whoever else there's a lot of great um attacking guards and, and guard threats in the league but um he's someone who I, I envision being able to to switch at times and yeah um that's at least you know what i was looking for yeah like late clock maybe and i think he can do he's definitely mobile enough to do any conventional pick and roll coverage Mm -hmm. um and you know it could be kind of more of an old school thing where you know back in the day when you played two bigs your four would play a more aggressive coverage and then you would maybe have a five behind him or maybe i think like robert williams to me the way the celtics used him is a nice blueprint of just trying to have him off the ball on the four pre-switch to keep him on the back line keep him out of the action so he can get over there and he's not going to get like kind of beasted in these strength matchups as much so and, and it does seem like you know with Giannis and Rob Williams and some of the Mobley like the two bigs actually like a little bit more back in vogue so maybe he can be effective there yeah ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Who's your number three, then? 
My number three is, and it's pretty, it's pretty close for me at this stage, but I have Jabari Smith Jr. at number three. Um, you know, well, well so let's start here. Most people had Jabari number one. Why is he behind Paolo and Holmgren to you? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing for Jabari is just kind of creating and getting easy and clean looks, whether that's, you know, more traditionally in the post, um, being able to finish at the basket, which is something that he really is going to have to address, and also kind of his handle in the half court. And, you know, if he's going to play that more traditional wing type of type of role, being able to, um, you know, get break somebody down and get all the way to the basket and, and do things like that. So those are the, the like main things that put him back behind those other two two guys, especially because he's not like the um, he's not bringing that type of value in terms of rim protection. And he's also not um, giving you that type of value in terms of playmaking. So that's why he's the number three guy for me. Um, but, you know, just on the positive side, he's you know, 6'10", one of the best tough shot makers that I've really ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, super high release point, great footwork and balance. And um, he was knocked down on open, you know, looks at the few ones that he did get because he attracted so much attention on that Auburn team. But, um, yeah, that's that's really the reason that he's number three for me. Still like him quite a bit, but um, that's the differentiators. Yeah, I guess this is my big question that I had about him is if he's going to be a superstar, what does that look like? And yeah. how likely is that? That's that's the thing with him. That's why I don't see him at, at number one. I think that he's probably best case like that complimentary star. Um, pick a guy, whoever whoever you think that is. Um, you know, some people say like a bigger Clay Thompson or just kind of with that two-way potential and, and things like that. But if he is going to be like the, the superstar, it's going to take a lot of improvement and handle some stuff that is like really hard to bet on. Um, we've seen it a few times, but it's more of an outlier thing. You know, like Kawhi Leonard, his kind of transformation, um, Paul George to a certain extent, um, even, you know, even though Jalen Brown still has a ways to go in that area, we as we see in the, in the NBA finals, like um, that's just kind of going to be like a really difficult thing for him to, to bring along. And it's why I have him here. But um, yeah, just being able to do that, being able to, to to finish with both hands at the basket, going either direction, um, doing a little more than just attacking closeouts and, and getting there. So, um, and also just being better at processing plays and and making plays for others on off of his own attention and, and those things of that nature. That would be the the, the highest level outcome. Yeah, I, I mean, and to me, if you're going to be your draft number one, we're looking at you know, all right, maybe at his size is like you can just be mostly a play finisher, but there's still only like how is he going to generate shots other than just all right we'll give you the ball at the elbow there's someone in your grill and you're just going to turn around and shoot it right like like that's that was the question i had and maybe that's coming off screens you know off the ball but if you can't really put the ball on the floor which i like his first step was a little slow to me for like this type of player this like rarefied air in the draft and he doesn't run pick and roll at all doesn't really have that type of a handle doesn't really seem to have Wiggle and he's not, he doesn't have like just that feel for score. I mean, it's kind of an ineffable thing, but he just doesn't like, he's not like a natural to me. Like, he just does, like around the basket, it's like he'll go up and just get his shit blocked, right? It's not like where he doesn't have that ability to just like move the ball around and like finish around the shot block or have a good awareness of where the defense is. So I just, it, it seemed like very kind of station to station, hitting buttons on the controller for him. And I just was, that's why I felt like I, I just didn't see him as just that absolute primary guy uh, as a scorer. Yeah, I think it's like a 
a case of more like an outside in type of guy like all the perimeter stuff he's got all the all the tough shots that you could ask for like he's got that um it's kind of hard to bank on that and then bet on that translating completely to the next level just um you know nba level athletes and defenders and scouting reports and things like that so that's part of you know why i don't i think it's going to just be really tough to kind of reach that, that higher end outcome um and also you kind of you, you touched on it but like sort of the stiffness or, or to kind of his game and his body like finishing around the basket he doesn't have a ton of dexterity i think you look at a guy like jaron jackson also like he's a lot better around the basket and yeah. um you know leverages his size a little bit better in in those situations that it's a little bit easier for him to um do those sort of th- things but he also is, doesn't have all that other stuff on the perimeter um so it's like tough shot making one dribble two dribble pull-ups yeah. um, well and jackson his defense is really like his main yeah and the rim protection is is a big yeah. thing especially if you're going to play like the four spot or potentially you know jaron jackson can can play the five at a, at a lot of times if jabari was able to if he if he was a big time rim protector um and was able to play five at, at a lot of points i think that's just like a seamless you know fit it's a lot easier sell yeah. as somebody yeah. who's gonna set a lot of screens really stretch out your defense and also is a good enough athlete to do other things um especially off his own attention but that's not the case he's he's is more like kind of naturally fit for that wing um spot or like what we call that that modern four you know um but yeah that's so what's your, how do you feel about his defense? Because I've heard a lot of people who are like, oh, this guy's like awesome defensively that he and I can't say that I quite saw that personally, either as a help guy or an on ball guy. I think, you know, very capable for like someone this young, this type of player with that type of shot, like definitely going to be quality there. But is that how you see it? Or you see it as like having a, some level of upside above that? I I really like him on the ball defensively. Um, yeah. off ball, there's, you know, a lot of young player stuff that, you know, he was just a little bit behind on, but on the ball out of the top three, he's kind of pretty clearly the best perimeter guy, in, in my opinion, um, just his ability to, to move his feet and the kind of tenacity that he played with, um, was a lot different than, than those other guys. And I think that he has the versatility to, you know, guard a little bit more, a few more positions, a little easier out on the perimeter. Um, so I do like his upside there. Um, but yeah, like just kind of the the help defense stuff, the the rim protection, not the the craziest wingspan. Um, that kind of aspect that you might have, at least I assumed, would be there a little bit more from what he so showed in high school. Um, that's not really there. But the the perimeter stuff I really like. Yeah, and I guess you know I'm not sure that he's gonna be the guy who's gonna like get over a screen in conventional pick and roll defense. If depending on what team he goes to, like I think he can switch on to about anybody. So the, depending on like what the system is, it looks better. But I, yeah, I don't know if he, and I think you said this in your videos while well, he's not necessarily, and forgive me if I'm misremembering this, but he's not necessarily like an assignment defender where it's just like, like what Andrew Wiggins was doing on Luka Doncic in the playoffs. Like it's not that type of a thing for him necessarily. Yeah. It's, it's more like, it's relative my like, like of what he can do there. Um, not like the traditional, you know, Wiggins or even what Tatum brings a lot of the times, but, um, um, and the screen navigation will have to be something because he's never really played like out there on the wing and, and that played that role. So we yeah. haven't really seen a ton of it either. So, um, yeah, it's just hard. I mean, there's not many 6'10 guys yeah. who can just get over a screen like that. Like, it's just not it's 
you know, six, eight is probably like about the best you're going to see at that. Like, you know, Kawhi is probably the biggest guy that you really look at to, or Paul George. I guess Paul George is like close to six ten, but he's, yeah. Paul's a little more lithe, I would say, than, uh, for sure, than Jabari. Yeah. Um, I guess the only thing I shouldn't say concern because I, I want everyone to succeed and do well, but my only concern for my evaluation of him is he's so young and just like he just looks like so big out there when you see him for like a modern four that maybe he just become like there's a lot more athletic potential to tap than what we've seen so far like that's where i feel like my evaluation could be wrong on him yeah i think that's that's a that's a thing in this you you never know about the work ethic type of players and um kind of what they what they do in that general area so and i've heard a lot of things about him being you know one of the harder workers so yeah. maybe some of that stuff just kind of you know eases his way out of his game and he you know learns a little bit better and that's um how he gets to you know more of those higher levels but um just from based on what we've seen that that's why he's kind of my my number three guy all right I, i've been this has all just been a preamble to this i haven't actually talked about this player yet on my pod so uh i'm kind of spoiling it a little bit because i haven't gone through it in great detail but here's my question to you why is shaden sharp not in consideration for the number one pick oh so Shaden Sharp, you know, really big time talent. Um, being able to at about six four, six five, the the kind of raw vertical explosion and ability to to get shots and the smoothness in which he does it. Um, the biggest thing that is like really holds him back from from being in that number one conversation is one we've never really had like a prospect in this kind of situation who um, you know the, the classing up and not playing, choosing not to play at Kentucky, and all that we're going off of really is the EYBL stuff last year with with you play and um and talking about his game specifically just he's not somebody who's consistently really creating a ton of space um he doesn't have the quickest first step in um you know getting to the basket is a, it's just a little bit tougher for him at this stage um that's that, those are the main like concerns and why it's like really tough to put him with the the Jabari's Paulo's Chets and even like a Jaden Ivy who we've at least seen him have like a unbelievable first step and also do it at this and to watch his progression at Purdue um, yeah. on high levels so um it's just so much more comfort there and we from this perspective we don't get to see the workouts we don't get to see you know the interviews and do that kind of background research um but those are the those are the main reasons why Shaden isn't in that kind of conversation now like the high-end talent just seeing him play and um for certain games there's definitely times where he looks like man that that dude looks like the one there's also you know some some other games where it's like okay he's really young we still haven't seen him on those you know January games versus Vanderbilt where you know <laughs> all kinds of different things are going on so uh he's just like a, a really interesting and curious case that I think you know could probably could go anywhere from like four to even like the back end of the lottery so yeah no I mean it does seem that way you know they're now dueling reports there's Jake Fisher saying he hasn't worked out that well he's been doing a lot of competitive workouts but those haven't gone that well and then uh you know Shams saying no actually he's he's done the workouts they've been strong whatever that means you know I, I don't I don't want to put too much stock in either of those reports yeah. really of like how guys are are working out um particularly from people who are not like draft specific people um and who haven't actually like been in these workouts 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, when Mike Schmitz would tell me about how guys were working out, like I'd put some more stock in that. Yeah. So of all the things that we just talked about here, and I, I recognize as a GM, you consider all these things, but only one of the things that you mentioned is something that actually has to do with his game, which is that his first step, I think, is, is a little bit slower, which, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I would probably agree with that based on what I've seen. I mean, I think there's times when, you know, he'll get that hang dribble and can really explode and blow by guys. He also was like kind of the only guy on his AAU team and like they would get down by 15 and then it's like okay we're just going to give him the ball every time and he's just going to take a step back three and you know get him back in the game (laughs) afterwards so uh, other than from like that first step standpoint what are like the other flaws just in his game that you've you know putting aside the uncertainty aspect which we're just never going to get past like what are the other flaws in his game that you know would say like no this guy shouldn't be in consideration for number one yeah so for somebody who kind of projects most clearly in like that scoring guard type of role um the separation and the shot and the first step are pretty high things on that list you look at guys like Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards who are you know a pluses in some of those areas I mean it really helps them get to be able to do what they the type of things that they do I might also say stuff about his handle just kind of the um looseness of it at times and um being able to get to picked off in certain um situations and then also like defensively he was he was pretty bad we can't take a ton we can't take a ton yeah. from that he has the tools and everything that's always like my kind of uh, philosophy on it especially at this level we can point to guys who are good play uh good defensive players in the nba now who were bad in, in the uibl so yeah. yeah watching anthony edwards like guard john moran <laughs> in the playoffs was like you know a little yeah. eye-opening probably for people who were looking at his college film two years ago for sure yeah he was yeah. he was pretty bad defensively at, at georgia he really didn't seem to care that much um but yeah this kind of those combination of things and just um kind of my first point just like on you know what Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards are kind of like the precursors to sort of his at least um you know potential archetype in the league that's that's the the main thing just being able to get past your man um break him down um with the handle and um also just create more separation on the perimeter is this is like the real thing yeah I mean I just looking at him and again noting that you know he would have been 18 at this time you know, it was basically the last film we have. There's like a little bit from like preseason high school this year. For those who don't know, he then uh, actually joined Kentucky, could have played this year for the second half of the year. And, and for whatever reason, it didn't end up doing that. Um, you know, I think that like compared to like Jalen and, and Anthony Edwards, like to me, his handle is like more advanced at this stage than theirs were um and you know his passing is probably like about the same like not great but i my feeling is if you can draw two you're probably like you can figure it out in the nba like there's reads you know where guys are going to be on the pick and roll like you he showed like enough rudimentary passing skills to me um so and i agree like his handle is like kind of loose and like you know can get casual at times but i thought it looked smoother than like jalen green or anthony edwards at, at the same stage do you agree with that or, or you think that they were probably more advanced because you yeah you in, saw in certain aspects than i did yeah in certain aspects i think that he's you know a little bit better just kind of using some of the the stuff like to get to his step back and and things of that nature but anthony Edwards and, and jalen green were also like a lot better like using push crosses and, and getting their 
opponent off balance and like actually yeah. creating like a little bit of separation there or being able to leverage that into getting downhill drawing the defense um yeah just like, like get off. low and like really like blow by guys yeah i mean yeah. that's I, I think that's probably a fair criticism i mean I, I was really impressed with his footwork too i mean for that, sure yeah you know, and i wish i had had you know edwards and jalen greenfield to kind of compare at the same age as well um yeah i i guess that, so so anything else that's like kind of a concern area for him? Um, not, not particularly. I think we hit most of the things that that's just kind of the main thing, just given like what his role is supposed to be. Um, yeah. you just want a little bit more, at least from the perspective of, we haven't seen him at Kentucky. We, we haven't seen him at that highest level. And he's like a little bit of a natural late bloomer in terms of like his, his rise to the yeah. top of like yeah. high school rankings and everything. He wasn't like this 13, 14 year old guy. We saw him for a long time, like 16, 17, he started really gaining steam, um, playing with, uh, yeah, he Canada's hasn't really done any team. any FIBA stuff either, right? He did, he did play um, with Canada's U sixteen team, I believe. That was back yeah. in you know a few years ago with like Caleb Houston and um, Ryan Nimhard and, and and those guys. And he that's where he kind of got his breakout and then ended up going to Sunrise. And then you know things didn't completely work out there. There was some some stuff about his his age and everything. Goes to Dream City and then you know plays in the in the EYBL and his rankings just kind of keep going up from from there. So that yeah, because really he was the thing. number one one recruit for for next year um i, I know we got to get some other guys but I, i'll make kind of my argument for him i mean I, like the yeah. shooting is really good for like this player type you know just incredible finisher at the room i mean he's not maybe quite edwards or green but just like a slight notch below there i'd say and feel free to break in and disagree with me on, on any of this but i mean the list of guys to me that have his skill level and athleticism, like I think he could get stronger, like start to use his body more as well. I mean, so there's Edwards, there's Jalen Green. I went back like to like 1996. Uh, you know, I'd put him like above RJ Barrett as far as like the combination of skill level and athleticism. Yeah. You know, Jalen Brown was kind of more of a three. You know, I'm thinking more kind of two guard size guys. Zach Levine, I'd say, you know, Zach maybe a little easier bounce, but I think his skill level is way ahead of Levine yeah. at this stage. Um, you know, Dion Waiters, Bradley Beal, like again, way more athletic than those guys, probably higher skill level at the same age when you consider both his handle and shooting ability. Uh, you know, OJ Mayo was like supposed to be that type of athlete, but he wasn't really that type of athlete as a shooting guard. Like Tyreek Evans was drafted in the top five. He's, uh, you know, I think way more athletic than him. Doesn't have the same uh, passing vision, maybe. But, uh, you know, Jason Richardson, I would say, had a lower skill level at this age. You know, it was kind of more just like a two foot dunker. So, I mean, as I go back through it, I'm like, how many guys are there with like his combination of skill and athleticism at this age? Like that is a very short list. And the guys who have been on that list have pretty much all succeeded. You know, I mean, like your comp for him was like JR, which, you know, I thought that was, was more an interesting of a, one. Yeah. That was more of like a, a potential like sort of role comp. Like, yeah. In terms of like his, the places that he gets on the floor and um, his athleticism, you know, a little bit of the size and stuff like that. Um, but you know, there are other like more apt comps in terms of like, you know, physical size and, um, sort of other things that like this, this, the higher level potential of, of reaching as yeah. well. Yeah. So anyway, we probably spent too much time on him, but since I wanted to talk <laughs> about him with you extensively, cause you know, you probably followed him more closely than I have, but I was kind of like, I, I was, I was quite seduced by his potential. I, I will say <laughs> that, um, Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's 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 go through rapid fire here. Um, you said you had someone else who was in kind of in the conversation at three for you with, uh, with Jabari. Yeah, that's Jaden Ivey, you know, 6'4", combo guard out of Purdue. He's an electric athlete. His first step, I think, can go toe-to-toe with even a lot of guys who are in the in the modern NBA. And his ability to play in the open floor is really um, unmatched by anybody in college basketball. Um, you know, that, that really popped off the, off the screen. And just kind of his overall upside, just being able to, like, the improvements that he took as an off-ball player and as a shooter this year um, after just kind of showing flashes at the end of his freshman year. Um, and, you know, just kind of working through, you know, certain things and being a, a little bit better, getting a little bit better as a pick-and-roll player. And just kind of this guy who has, like, so much more untapped potential in terms of, like, adding to his pace and, and playing in the half court and um, playing in the pick-and-roll and, and continuing to grow as a playmaker, which he did this year already quite a bit um, with more ball handling responsibilities. Um, that's why he's like the fourth guy to me. There's just a certain tool that you really can't teach, especially at that. He's got, you know, decent size and, and wingspan and length and everything like that. So that's why he's the, the number four person for me. Yeah, I think I'm lower on him than most people are. Um, you know, I thought your comps for him were pretty good. Like, And I, it's funny, like when I think of my comps, and then usually we're both like pretty like spot on. Like I think you had Oladipo on him, like a little bit of John Morant. It's uncanny mm-hmm. to me how evocative his shooting form is of John Morant, which is like kind of like two hand set shot. Um, I, I guess my biggest issue with him is, you know, what does it look like if his jumper isn't great? I think that was kind of my, my biggest problem. And I think he's, it's kind of a little bit too nascent in terms of like the pick and roll play and uh, just some of the feel stuff uh, offensively and, you know, mid range. It's like, it's, I was, it was one of those things where like actually the stats were like better than it looked sometimes like for mid range with like his floater and stuff. So I, I guess that's my, my biggest issue with him is like, like, I do see the upside. Like I can see a possibility. I'm just, I'm not sure how likely he is to get there based on like, I don't think his skill level is just going to be that high. Like he's not as much of a natural for a guy who's going to be drafted in the top five, potentially as a guard. That, that was yeah. kind of my thought. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is also just the other guys that are in this class for me, yeah. too. Like, um, there isn't anybody else who has his, you know, type of tools and, you know, really took the type of steps that he did. Now, there is a there is a, a general level of concern, just like, will he ever get some of that pace in the half court and and just being able to to be more of a primary ball handler and, you know, have a better command of his reads and, and where things need to go and, and things like that. Also, like the, the mid range, like you, you said Mid-range wasn't that great. The floaters were a lot better than yeah. um they yeah. necessarily. They're ugly, like, but they went in. Yeah. 
um, didn't take a, a ton of volume of them, but um, the, when he did, they 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 went in. So um, yeah, it's just kind of a I can see like why certain people are on one side and on the other. I just tend to be on the side of like he has all these tools. He's already taken you know great strides as a shooter. Um, it is if he if he doesn't shoot, you know, it does get a lot more difficult. You look even look at Victor Oladipo kind of yeah. earlier in his career, the the things that he was doing very similar in like the ways that they were able to score kind of have some of those half court struggles early on um but eventually he did figure it out um mostly in indiana but before he got hurt but um i just lean on the side of him you know having a little bit more uh, potential on that side yeah i guess it, because like his form like the set shot yeah. it's it's weird enough that I just I find it difficult to see him like being able to be like because like you have to be able to shoot a jump shot well off the dribble if you're really going to be like the highest possible level of pick and roll operator. And so if he's not that like I, I totally agree with you on the transition and like the athleticism and all that. But if he's not the guy you're giving the ball to now as an off ball guy like the fit is not that good. Like I think he has like a relatively high bust potential even if he has a high upside because like you need your shooting guard like shooting guard's got to take like seven threes per 36 minutes like that's the positional average and if you don't have that now it's really tough to build your team around i like him a lot in detroit because you know k can handle the ball and then he can just and k can also shoot off the ball so now he can attack hard from the wings he doesn't necessarily have to create everything he k can create the advantage he can widen it um but not that many teams have like that sort of a forward player. I see Ivy as like a, a two position defender, the one and the two. So you can't really play him at, at the three or the one probably on offense. And so now you have to have like building your defense around that's a little harder too. So that that's my concern about him. But I, I feel you on the idea of like, well, who else is there with this upside going forward? It seems like this is kind of more of an upside thought for you. Yeah, I mean, somewhat. I think also just, just given, you know, I kind of touched on it already, but just given the the sort of things that he did improve on and and like the pace and and keeping it attacking closeouts and um playing a little bit more off ball, I well, at least being a little bit more effective off ball. Um those are some things that I really enjoyed from him and not having to be like that dead on point guard or somebody who has to be the primary guy. Um I just tend to believe like I tend to buy his, you know, fluidity of his jumper a little bit more than than maybe you do. Um and just kind of the the growth from from year one to year two. Yeah. Um but I I definitely see the concerns. Like if he doesn't if he doesn't shoot it definitely changes like what he can do as a player. But right now I think that he's I would consider him more like capable and then, you know, wherever it goes from from there. Um how you doing on time by the way? I'm good. We yeah. can, can all go. right. I'll, we'll, we do like maybe twenty more minutes. We got time for that? Yeah that's cool. That's right. cool. Hey, let me just make a note of that time to edit that out. So, all right, let's keep going here. The Ivy, I assume, is, is your number four. Who's your five? My number five is actually Jalen Duran. Um, I, I have not watched him yet. So you give us like the, the quick load on him. Yeah, so quick little synopsis on Jalen Duran. Tremendous physical profile, 6'11", 250, 7'5", wingspan. Um, he has an pr- impressive vertical and ability to have both a large catch radius on lobs and also affect shots at the rim. Um, that's where he, you know, brings a lot, a great deal of sort of upside and the ability to um, impact the game. I thought that he, his ground coverage and ability to, um, you know, just be, serve as that, you know, weak side guy and 
kind of clean up some stuff on the backside and also just read certain things that are going on on the floor was pretty excellent for a guy who's we have to remember is still 18 and was should actually be going to be a college freshman next year yeah. um just age wise so um yeah and also just kind of that guy as a as a big who can mix up his pick and roll coverages not somebody who you're going to want to you know be out on the perimeter doing a whole bunch of things but you know, like we kind of mentioned with Robert Williams, just being able to to stay solid at times. And, um, you know, that's not the, the, the thing that you want him doing full time, but um, mixing it up, at least being able to play to the level, relying on that athleticism to kind of bridge that gap a little bit. And um, but yeah, just kind of that that defensive sort of center who can make an impact on both ends, really serve as a live threat, doesn't have a, a ton right now in terms of like low post skill work or, or scoring um, definitely an area that he needs to improve but you look at his playmaking is probably one of my favorite aspects of his game um, and the reason that I have him so high is I think that he can serve as somebody who you know helps you there and can at least help you transition into certain things and um, you know work on dribble handoffs and, and make plays from high posts and also on short rolls and things of that nature so um, yeah that's that's why he's my number five guy. Yeah, I'm. I mean, having not seen him at all, I'm. I'm somewhat loath to say this, but to me, like a center in the top five, like you yeah. need to be like a generational type of prospect. I mean, all right, well, so so let's compare him to say DeAndre Ayton, right? A, a guy who maybe mm-hmm. you know wasn't probably the archetype of like the center. Maybe you can't run everything through this guy. But certainly, like a good offensive player, versatile, great play finisher, and you know maybe not a dominating defensive player of the year type of defender, but you know very solid, good if not great mobility, improved rim protector, etc. Like, how would you say during compares with DeAndre Ayton at, at the same stage? Yeah, I think Ayton is a much more fluid athlete, actually. Um, you know, a little bit more natural of a score and it has better touch um, and those, those things. And it it, it it makes sense why people would turn the other way in, in terms of his overall, like taking a center um, in the top five. Obviously, so, some of this has to do with like um, my general feeling about everybody past the fourth pick. I think that they're, you know, at least somewhat even in a lot of ways, at least those first couple. Um, and I just like happen to like his up, overall upside just a little bit more in in terms of things that you can do um but comparing him to to Aiden I think that he's a little more advanced defensively um especially considering his age like Aiden was like the regular age for a college freshman um going into the NBA so um he's just a little bit ahead in terms of like reading plays and I also think that there's a certain level of explosiveness and you know ability to get to certain places um, that Aiden doesn't particularly have, but um, yeah, that's just kind of the the rough comparison from between those two. But not somebody who I would consider as like the number one or top flight guy, but um, at number five, he's he's definitely um, where I'm at. Yeah, I guess it, would you say he has like defensive player of the year upside just from like a physical tools perspective? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, Robert Williams is kind of that my my comparison for him, um, just kind of the ways that he impacts the game. Now, he's not quite as bouncy at this like quick twitch, like being able to get, you know, up as fast as Robert Williams. I think he's in the yeah. top one percent of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, nobody is like, it's right, unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, 
that's just a kind of a difference there. But in terms of like his impact and what he can do defensively, that's kind of the role that I envision um, during playing to a certain extent. Not having to have, you know, the, the Al Horford in there um, every time to be able to, to do that, but it would definitely help. So what do you make of Keegan Murray then? Is, is Would he be in the mix for you at five as well? Yeah, he's he is my number six guy, um, Keegan Murray. Um, I don't – my biggest thing with him is I don't 100% buy like the creation upside. Sure, um, I, I completely of, agree with you on that. Yeah, kind of coming to fruition to, to add that that level of value. But um, his his production in at Iowa this season was, you know, off the charts. His ability to, to play in transition was ridiculous and kind of yeah. impact all different parts of the game. Some of the numbers that you highlighted on your video in terms of like the efficiency and the various play types were insane. Yeah, he was he was efficient, you know, like really across the board and also kind of being like the only like real big time talent on his team was like, you know, interesting to see, especially because he didn't have the ball in his hands like at all times and was like this high usage guy or or anything like that. He kind of floated and found his spots really did a lot of damage as a cutter and moving without the ball and things like that. So um, he's a really nice player. I think that he's like a more of a complimentary guy, like just at his best. And um, oh, most of these guys are like, kind of past sure. four for me. Um, but I just I, don't. I mean, that realistically, historically is what you should expect at that point. Right. In the draft. Right. I just think like there's just a certain kind of connotation that, you know, kind of comes with like, oh, top five pick or whatever. Um, and just like some of the things that he does as a passer and, you know, you know, playmaker and handle. I just don't particularly see like being in, in that sort of fashion to to be like the in the real conversation for number four or three or, you know, certain things that you might hear around. So. But, you know, he, I think he's definitely someone who's a contributor. And one of the guys I have, like, the most confidence in actually, like, um, you know, contributing at the next level. Yeah, he's one of the guys I probably most enjoyed watching. And I think part of that was just due to the system, too, where they played, you know, a four-out, five-out style with a, a lot of motion offense. They're one of the most efficient teams. And he helped make that system as well, obviously. But, yeah, I think he was a perfect marriage with them of his ability to finish plays. But, I mean, other than as an isolation score or pick and roll guy, I mean, he's just above average at like every possible category. So that, that fits in well to me. Do you think he could average 20 just kind of off those kind of scraps? It's, it's, that's a, that's a real tough thing to do. I think yeah. probably yeah. the, you know, mid to high teens is probably like in his best case scenario. Um, I think obviously, you know, if he does, if he is able to, to add more of that stuff off the dribble, it would, it would be a lot easier. I think a guy, I think of a guy kind of like Sadiq Bay off the dribble, like he has a little bit more. That's kind of the, the sort of height and, and sort of athleticism that I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. with kind of, with Keegan Murray, but he just doesn't have the natural like scoring stuff off the, off the bounce. What do you think of Murray's jump shot? Because he did take a major leap forward, you know, as a 21 year old this year. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly buying it. I think that he, you know, did it in, in quite a few different situations. Um, came off a few screens and, and things of that nature, and the footwork was good. Um, pretty fluid of a, of a jump shot, one motion. Um, I think I, for the most part, I, I buy it. I don't really put too much stock into it. Um, he did improve quite a bit from his first year at Iowa to his second year, but um, I think that it, I think it will translate. 
Yeah, so like that he can come off screens, make shots. I mean, I feel that way. Like, I think he's going to make enough shots to where he definitely has to be guarded and he can be effective on the move. It's just a question to me of like, is he going to hit those 35% or are we talking like 40% where it's like, oh shit, this dude just came off a screen. Like, we got to get out there now as opposed to just, all right, he's open. You know, we'll try and get through it. If he shoots it, okay, fine. Yeah, I think he's more of like the the pick and pop kind of flares and the, you know, certain sets of things of that nature more than like a somebody who's really going to run around a lot of screens, you know, get the ball, pass it back, you know, do a lot of different other things, maybe out to the corner. I think that's a little bit tougher for him. But um, yeah, the 40%, that's that's pretty lofty, especially in yeah. those situations for somebody who's not like the greatest athlete or someone who has like that kind of um, speed or like that level of agility. Um, but like, you know, 35, 36, 37, that's, those are more of the possibilities I would see in that kind of scenario. Do you think you could play some small ball five? I, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I think it'll be tougher. I think that he's, you know, positionally good rotationally as well. Um, he did play some small ball five at Iowa. Yeah. I think it'll, it'll be just, you know, kind of a little bit difficult unless it's like the perfect situation where you have somebody else who's going to, to help backline and also maybe some, some guys on the perimeter at the point of attack who, you know, help certain things. Um, but that's kind of a bigger ask just for like 82 game season. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I mean, he did average the two blocks, but they weren't, wasn't necessarily like traditional rim protecting yeah. type of rotation, verticality plays. It was more sort of on the ball, almost like Tim Duncan style of blocks, like not, but you know, where he's, I shouldn't have said Tim Duncan because he was a great help defender. So that was, a, that was a bad analogy, but just in the sense, like not really leaving his feet, just like getting his hand on, on the ball, maybe coming down from the top when he was guarding someone up, up high and making the play from behind. So yeah, I'm not sure he's like, can be like a traditional rim protector, but he can move his feet like, okay. Like it wouldn't be crazy to me if you had like a bunch of other sides in the lineup as well. But yeah, I wouldn't, that's not like a primary selling point on him. Uh, for yeah, me. for sure. All right, I think that gets through everyone that I have personally done. Oh, I guess I did Dyson Daniels too. Is is he in that mix for you? Uh, yeah, he's right. He's right in that mix uh, as well. I think the biggest thing is like sort of the shot creation and ability to put pressure on a defense. Um, everything else from you know. The playmaking, the size, the defensive versatility is six seven, six eight. Um, you know, just being able to be a complement and be, be a you know a, a decent mover without the ball. And I buy his shooting mechanics. I think he'll shoot the be- the ball better. Um, that's part of the reason why I have some of these guys where I have them is I I do buy the shot. Um, but yeah, you know, we see oftentimes with guys like Alonzo Ball who don't particularly put enough pressure on the defense as a primary play uh playmaker or ball handler. Um and they have to kind of they get put into this more of a wing kind of secondary tertiary playmaker sort of role and I think that might be something that Dyson more naturally falls into um than, you know, someone who's like a Cade Cunningham or somebody like that, LaMelo Ball. Um so that's kind of my biggest hesitation with him, but I think he's a really, really nice player. He's a little bit more productive in the G League than I think that he gets credit for, um, especially at that age. Yeah, and, and he really improved throughout the, the season. He grew like two inches, right, in like the last yeah, that's, year? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess I, so. When you say you're a believer in the shot, like what what are we talking about here? What are you envisioning him like fully formed at the NBA level? Obviously, the shot's probably the hardest thing to project about just about anything. So we're throwing darts to some degree, but how, how are you seeing him as a, a shooter? You know, three four years from now at the NBA level. Yeah, not anything like in terms of like a big time threat off the dribble or you know a high forty percent guy. I think that he can you know definitely earlier on in his career, first couple of years, be you know, around that 36% mark, he shot a little bit better down the stretch of the season. And, you know, you look at his mechanics and um, the release point and some of the big shots that he was taking um, and in some of these games. And I, I think that, you know, he has the tools to, um, as he keeps working, there is no hitch in his shot. He's not like um, somebody like a Josh Giddy who it might be a little bit more difficult in certain situations or even Lonzo coming in with the, you know, whole side of the head shot on yeah, the other side. Yeah, dude, good, good luck actually describing what that <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the catapult slingshot thing he had going on. Shout out to um, Fred Vincent and them uh, kind of fixing that in New Orleans. That, that guy's a monster, man. I, I, <laughs> Like they need to be paying him like ten million a year. Like he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. um, You know, magic, magic work there. Um, But yeah, just kind of that thirty-six guy hovering around in that area. That's kind of the the on probably like you know lower volume but decent enough volume. That's kind of the vision for Dyson Daniels as a shooter. Yeah, I mean, I see him as like okay, spot up, time and space. You know, are like we're not just totally going to leave him. Like I think he could get to. You know, he's not going to be Matisse Thibel out there. Like I think they, they can get to that point. I'm just not sure if he can get like much beyond that uh, personally. But yeah, I would have him. I think a little bit lower than so. I haven't watched Durant yet, obviously, but uh, I would have him probably the lowest of the guys we're talking about. Just I think he could be an effective player for a long time. It's just I don't really see the upside there at this point in the draft, which makes it a little bit more difficult. Um. Anybody else that you're really like excited about in this kind of six to 10 range? Um, everybody else is kind of, you know, pretty similar, uh, in my opinion, like really for the most part in this sort of general range, I don't see a ton of like, there's certain things that will kind of keep some of these guys from being, you know, those, those top tier stars. That's why, um, I'll have them that conversation, that top four conversation. I do like AJ Griffin quite a bit. He's another guy who's age wise, um, should be in, uh, going to be a freshman in college this year. I just really like how good of a shooter he is, you know, in a lot of different situations. Um, and even prior to college, he was, you know, 40 plus percent in all, all different, um, situations and, you know, just some of the creation upside. I think that is still there. Um, defensively, a lot of work to do. Um, and athletically, I think that he can still, you know, regain a little bit of that that he had prior to college, but, um, he's somebody who I, I tend to like a little bit more than the general consensus has moved to sort of a late lottery type of guy. I think that he's, you know, more in the middle, middle lottery for me. Where is he size wise? Like, who is he able to guard? You know, assuming that he makes some improvements there, but just in terms of like his athleticism and size. Yeah, he's so he's six six seven foot wingspan. Definitely prototypical size for like a wing. Um, certain twos are going to be a little bit probably unless something changes, be a little bit too quick for him. I'm like you know they got the, the Brad Beals and and those type of guys, but um, mostly mostly twos and threes. Uh, potentially a four at times, just based on his kind of you know build. Uh, physically 
defensively, I, I could see that as a possibility yeah. as well. Well, I, I remember who his father is. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, for uh, sure. Yeah, he was one of like the the ultimate ultimate tough guys, which or he wouldn't have had a career had it, had it not been for that. But uh, yeah, shout out to shout out to Adrian Griffin, Wichita's uh, finest. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, yeah, but it sounds like you view AJ Griffin as kind of more of a holding his own type of defender on the wing, you know, of like twos and threes, not necessarily someone that, you know, you're really looking at as a big plus there. Yeah. I think it's, you know, certain, some of the things, you know, foot speed wise, I think he's really going to have to, to work through. Um, but I really buy his tools. Like, you know, there's not, it's a, it's a different story when you have guys who struggled on that end in our six foot or, you know, guys who are, you know, extremely tall and they're going to have to, they're just going to get targeted on every single possession and things like that. Um, then what he has, where he does have some of those physical tools and everything. Um, I think that can help him, you know, pan out. All right. Last two questions here. First off, of the players we haven't mentioned yet at all, who would you say is the highest upside player? And just give us, you know, kind of the 30, 60 second capsule on them. Highest upside player out of those that we have not mentioned. I think I would, I think I'd go with Usman Zhang of the New Zealand Breakers in the NBL. Um, now he's kind of a mystery sort of home run type of pick. Um, but he had big time defensive impact, a high level passing upside, all that 6'10. He's a really fluid mover. Um, and you know, he had one of the biggest improvements in one single year than I, that I've seen from a prospect earlier on in the year. Nothing was really going offensively. Still brought a lot of that stuff defensively and had some passing flashes and everything. But second half of the year, he really turned it on. He was hitting pull ups, um, and isolations and, and, you know, kind of attacking some of these switches and being more aggressive in the pick and roll, making advanced reads, one hand reads to, to the roll man out to the corner and all these different types of things. So he's somebody who is a prize, like he's a project in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think if everything goes right for him, he probably has the best upside um, of those guys left. Um, even though there's certain things like if he, the shot isn't consistent enough or if he doesn't, you know, add strength and weight in certain ways, he might get bullied or, or be put into certain mismatches in, in certain aspects of the game that, um, might particularly hurt him, his ability to kind of contribute, but everything, best case scenario, he's, he's, he's up there. All right. And the last question of the guys we haven't mentioned yet, who's the most ready to step in and contribute in year one? Most ready to step in and contribute. I think we probably go with Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. Um, somebody who I think projects as a very good shooter, shot it extremely well his freshman year, down a little bit in, in year two, but um, has all the tools in off of movement. He's the best movement shooter in the class, um, in my opinion. Just his footwork, his ability to get square in the air, um, you know, organize his body and do it in a variety of different ways, I think is really excellent. He's a really good cutter, off ball mover. I think he's just sort of that complimentary two guard he has the defensive tools to be to be you know at least solid on that end and um wherever he lands like he has a a, a, already a defined role and something that we've already seen him play and can definitely translate to the next level so that would be my pick awesome all right man well this is a lot of fun again a reminder uh hoop intellect on twitter but more importantly hoop intellect uh, on youtube and everyone that we didn't have a chance to talk about or the ones that we did go check out uh, those videos there's nothing else like it i would say at this point so it was really fun having you on we appreciate it yeah man i appreciate you having me on the podcast uh uh i was excited for it so i thought it went pretty well so appreciate it
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.